All right, hello and welcome to another edition of Philly Sports Now, a Philadelphia fan dedicated podcast. I'm here with Andrew and I'm Nick. Uh, we're without Zach and Luke today, but we're still chugging along. Uh, we're here coming right off of the tough loss the Flyers had to the Islanders game seven. Uh, they got shut out to the backup goaltender uh, for the Isles. And yeah, it was a, it was definitely a tough one. I'm here, curious to hear your thoughts for uh, Andrew. It was uh, definitely a heartbreaker for the boys, the, uh, orange, the orange and black for sure. So uh, let's start, let's start there and we'll get into uh, a lot to talk about. We have the Eagles in a week, Sixers looking to hire a new coach perhaps. Uh, and the Phillies are shaking, you know, the Phillies are trending upward still, I'd say, but you know, they, they've had a couple of bad games here and there, but let's definitely start with the Flyers, uh, coming off that tough loss yesterday. And, uh, yeah, Andrew, what, what are your thoughts right away? I mean, uh, we were going back and forth about this in our chat and obviously I agree with a lot of what you said about the successful season, but it doesn't, it doesn't put to, to rust, ru- excuse me, put to rest how, um, how devastating it was! I expected more. I thought, I, I thought they'd play a better series than that. I know Islanders are no joke, but we've seen the Flyers play a lot better than they than they did in that series throughout the entire year. So it was just a disappointing, disappointing performance from them overall in that series. Not to take anything away from the season, but if you take just strictly that series, because because I thought I thought they'd get by, um, I thought they'd get by the Islanders, and then the Lightning would be the real real challenge there, obviously. Um, with with that tough series on which would have been next. So overall, yeah, fantastic season, but just a disappointing way to end it, especially in that fashion. I was talking to a couple people about this, and I'm interested to see what way you would go. But I, I would much rather have made that a competitive game seven and lose in heartbreaking fashion than just getting kind of blown out the way they did um, in that sense. I know in the end it's just a loss is a loss, but it, it was just kind of, I don't know. It didn't seem like the team had it, and honestly, it, it, halfway through the second to the end of the second, beginning of the third, it was like it's over. Like, like it was kind of like I, I was at the point, and and it was just a weird fe- feeling because throughout the whole season, I had other thoughts. Like, if they were down two zero or something, I'd been like, okay, like they like they've done it before. They'll come back, or they'll have a shot to come back. But I don't know. Yesterday was the weird feeling. They didn't they didn't have anything. It seemed like so. When you got down to it, it was that odd feeling of, I, I think it might be over. They just didn't have the same energy, it seemed like. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I agree with a lot of your points there. Uh, I think I think right when the, you turn on the game, after like that first goal, it was just obvious the Flyers just didn't have it yesterday. And I think, I, th- I truly think what happened is they just put all their energy into that game six, double overtime, and they were gassed. And I think... It's a mix of, you know, a lot of young guys on the team. I think Carter Hart was spent. I, you know, I, how, how much more could we expect from Hart? And he just didn't seem like he even had it game seven. And you had to wonder, maybe they should have went Elliott in game seven. I know that I, I, I don't agree with that. I think, you know, they made the right decision going Hart. But it could have, it could have. I guess went either way. It is interesting that the uh, Islanders went with their backup goaltender uh, instead of the, instead of their starter in Game Seven. So I don't know. I think there could have been an argument there just from the overload that Hart had to uh, play in in the Game Six double overtime. I think I think it was it was definitely heartbreaking. And I heard all your guys' points when we were talking in the group chat, and it was a tough pill to swallow because. 
There was so much hype. There was so much energy. They brought it back to the Game 7. I think that's what made me really think they were going to win this game is because of the double overtime. It just seemed like, you know, sometimes in sports it just seems like things are starting to click, even though they're not supposed to. And the Flyers didn't seem like they were supposed to win this series, but things started just clicking for them, and and they and all of a sudden, you know, they, all of a sudden they're in a, they find themselves in double overtime in Game Six, and they they they, they <laughs> it was one easily one of the most exciting sports games I've ever watched, and it's a shame that it'll be remembered as part of the series that we we lost, but nonetheless, it was it it was still an amazing game, and it's just a shame that. They weren't able to carry that energy or even really any of that energy into the game seven. And I think there's a lot to break down. I agree with you. I, I think I think overall, I, I your made your main point of they just simply weren't, you know, they, they, they just they just weren't there in the play. And once they got past the round robin, it just didn't seem like the Flyers were there as a team, like completely. I think the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest problem was obviously their power play. <laughs> it was it was atrocious the entire both series it was which is which is was uncharacteristic of this team i mean they they were a pretty good power play unit uh, throughout the season so i i think i think it's a shame i think it's in, it would have been interesting to see without the stoppage of play how this team would have been able to handle the playoffs i think that could have been an interesting factor i think i think it's easy to overlook things like you know they're they're playing in a bubble. They can't be with their families. Claude Giroux just had a, and his wife just had a baby, and he wasn't the only. You know he's not the only guy in that position on the team. Where you've got a new baby, all of a sudden you can't see them for it's been a month. It's been what month and a half since the startage of playoffs. I mean so, over over that if you count when they had to go in and start workouts and everything. So you're yeah, looking at exactly, you're looking at yeah. like two months if not more than that. So, I mean, imagine being a, a new father and all of a sudden you can't see your family for two months. That's got to be meant. That's got to mentally wear on anyone, uh, anyone on the team who's going through that. And, you know, I think it's similar to like the mental wear that Ryan Howard had going on with all of his family, with his family troubles that w- was going on throughout the end of his career. So I think it's easy to overlook things like that. And I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind. This bubble situation was bizarre. It was weird, but overall I, it, it, they gave us entertaining hockey and they, they, they pushed it to a game seven. And I, my point of the, when I was talking, I was just trying to put an, an optimistic spin on it earlier was that, yeah, this, this loss was heartbreaking and they didn't come out. I mean, I'm not giving them excuses. They didn't come out. they, didn't look like they wanted it more than the than the Isles, and 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 they just didn't look like they were the better team in, in this series. But at the end of the day, they pushed this. They were down three one. They pushed it to a game seven. So it was a fun series. It was a fun playoffs. And I think I think people got to take a step back. Is all my my point last night was just people got to take a step back and 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 look at the the overall aspect of this season and how I still think of it as a definite success. I mean, an absolute success from where this team has come from. And I think that even though this loss was heartbreaking, the future of the Flyers looks very bright. I agree with you. That's, that's the day after too. Like, yeah, you gotta get the, in the moment. No, I'm I, just kidding. Okay. I, I, I think, I, um, no, I, I agree with a lot of your points. One I wanted to touch on real quick was your point about Elliot. I didn't even think about that, to be honest, starting him. 
Um, and now that you brought that up, I wonder if it would have been different if, say, um, he didn't get the start in whatever game he started and he didn't have a loss. Like, I wonder if that, because obviously, ended up, I think he, he got the loss. I think he saved 31 out of 34 or something like something close to that. So yeah, I wonder was, if that. He was pretty good in that game still. Overall, he was good, but obviously get the loss. So I, I wonder if that would have had any impact if maybe, say, Elliott didn't get a start that series. Um, if that would have had an impact to that game seven decision there. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen a lot of comparisons now about the optimistic season stuff, people comparing it to the 07 Phillies, uh, the year mm-hmm. that they kind of spoke or got out um, with the, the young group or whatever, with the, right. the few veterans on the team, and then took it to the next level the following year after the disappointing playoffs of getting swept to the Rockies. They all got a feel for it and stuff, the playoff atmosphere. Yeah. And then took off the next year, obviously. We knew, know what happened. Um and the championship. So it'll be interesting to see how the Flyers respond in that sense. I, I, I actually, I like that comparison a lot. The, the, and the, th- the, the, a huge difference with hockey from any other sport is the lower seed seeded, uh, the lower seeded teams in the playoffs truly have a chance to, to win the Stanley cup every year. And I think that's something people seriously forget. Like, like, or, or, or newcomers to hockey don't realize. Cause when you're, when you're watching, uh, the MLB playoffs or the NBA, if, especially if you're coming from watching the NBA playoffs, oh, yeah. when's an eight, when's an eight seed ever going to beat a one seed? It's kind of like March madness one versus 16 in the, in the <laughs> NBA playoffs. So if you're comparing that to hockey, I mean, the Kings won the, the Stanley cup being the eight seed, not too many years ago. Uh, the flyers in 2010 were the sixth seed and they went to the Stanley cup. So I, I, I think, that that seeding means a lot less than people give it credit for. I, I actually think the Flyers had a harder a harder time getting. I, I think the Flyers Islanders had uh, a tougher time getting to the Eastern Conference Finals than the Lightning did. I mean, I think I think it, it just depends on uh, who who's hot at that moment, and and I think the Islanders are just on fire right now. And I I really think expect them to give. The Lightning a tough series. Uh, I think it's gonna hurt them a lot that this it took them seven games and like this series dragged out. I think they might be tired, but I mean they're a good hockey team, and I think people don't give them enough credit uh, for sure. And I think that 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 aspect of it uh, needs to be considered. But I like the 07 comparison to the Phillies. I I agree. I think this team is on the right track. I think that I think people are are, are frustrated with. Giroux and Vorchek that they've been around for so long and they haven't won a Stanley Cup. And I get the frustration there, but they've they've never had the team around them to truly be contenders. I mean, they just haven't. After the 2010 year, which, let's be honest, was a lightning-in-the-bottle situation. It wasn't like the Flyers were projected to go to the Stanley Cup or they were favorites to go to the Stanley Cup or, like, people or anyone was like picking them to go. They just, they just truly like caught lightning in a bottle that year and, and went to the Stanley cup. And, and since then, you, you know, you lose, you lose all those key guys, right? Gagne Richards and all of them. And, and they went on to win cups in uh, <laughs> LA. And, and, and so it's kind Sounds of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, uh, my, my, my point is I'm getting lost, but my, my, my point is that after all that, after the 2010, season and we lost and after we're losing Richards and Gagne we just didn't we just haven't had a, a good enough team to really make a run we see that with like we get to the playoffs and just lose to the Penguins like and it would be obvious we weren't going anywhere yeah uh, it, 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 it we would hope but it would just be obvious it wasn't going to go anywhere now 
we finally have a real, true, solid goaltender. And I, I think that's the key of this whole thing is, and to your point, when the Flyers went down 2-0, I, in my mind, was like, okay, that, that's probably it. Like, that's all they're going to get tonight. Flyers can score two goals. And obviously, it wasn't the case. Hart had an off night, but he, I think he was just tired but, and, and exhausted. But, but, but that's the kind of confidence. I, I'll still have that confidence next year, without a doubt. Like, I, I believe Carter Hart is going to be a top goalie in this league. He's got so much upside and potential to look forward to. He's only 22 years old. Uh, and, and I think that this is going to be a long stretch of Flyers hockey where we're final. We're finally, I can finally have confidence going into the playoffs that we're not just going to lose and be swept in the first round, if that makes sense. But to to the point about uh, um, as well about the Elliott move, I it, it I wasn't I didn't think about it until after the game kind of, and I and I realized, and you know, you're thinking on it and going, yeah, the the Islanders. Uh, went with their backup goaltender. It's you know it was an interesting move, uh, considering their starter had I think three shutouts in the previous series. So it's not like he he's a schmuck, but like it it it's it's hard because it goes back to my point in previous podcast. Like, do you want to just t- Carter Hart's probably your best player, right? Do you want to just take him out of Game Seven, <laughs> even though he might not give you his best stuff? And it's a hard choice, but it's like. It's it's I don't know it's a tough decision it's hard because it, you're taking him out of game seven but 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 if he's not going to be there maybe that it was the right move I'm not sure I don't know but regard honestly regardless of all of that the Flyers couldn't score anyway so it obviously wouldn't have mattered in the end yeah no I agree with you. and obviously again that what I'm about to say wouldn't have mattered because we didn't score one thing I thought would have been interesting and maybe would have done is pulled him after the second goal or started the second period with Elliott. Not not because of the way Hart played, because you're right, he is the best player. But I've seen it in watching other games throughout the playoffs in, in the last couple of years and stuff. When you kind of get that, that the, the goalie pulled there for a different goalie, it kind of sparks the team in a different way. I, I would And even the announcers alluded to it, not necessarily pulling a Hart. But I, I thought, again, AV had a great year. I'm not trying to rip on him or anything. Um but I also would have used that timeout. I don't know why he didn't use his timeout, especially especially after um, – it was the one after the second goal, and then Hart kind of misplayed it in front of the net but got, like, lucky and kind of dove on it before it rolled into the net. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. But I thought that would have been a good opportunity, not to pull Hart, but kind of call a timeout, try to collect your team again because they were clearly off or something. And I don't know. It just didn't seem like – I don't know why he didn't use it at some point in that game. Um, because I thought there was a couple of different opportunities he could at least use that timeout and try to. I'm not saying a timeout would have got him a win, but I'm saying it could have sparked maybe something or kind of re- recollected the group as a whole. Totally agree, and I think I think to your point of uh, taking him out, I, I I I actually agree that after the after those two goals uh, in the first period, I would have I would have I think I would have taken him out just for your exact point of trying to shake things up. I don't think it would have worked. Honestly, because, you know, you saw later in the game, uh, Sean Couturier uh, tried to shake things up with a fight, which obviously in today's hockey isn't really, you know, very, it doesn't happen very often. So I, I think that was a desperation mode trying to trying to just spark some energy in this team. And, and even that couldn't get them going. So I, I don't I don't know. Maybe it would have done it. I personally agree with you. I think after the first period, I would have took Hart out, not because of my lack of trust in Hart, but to your point, just to try to shake things up. But it is what it is. This is the end of the season. Uh, I definitely, I want to hear your thoughts, but I, I definitely look at the end of the year and, and looking back on it, 
am very pleased with this team. I think that they showed a lot of promise, a lot of faith. That we won a playoff series, which was huge. Uh, we sh- looked great in the round robin. I don't think that's to be discredited. We played three amazing teams in the round robin and and went three and zero. Got the one one seed. It's a bit. It was a bizarre situation. So I think there's a lot of interesting factors. And if you include this with the regular season, I think that you got to look at this season as an absolute 100% success and so much positivity to move forward. I agree with you completely. I think overall, I mean, I know some, I know some people have the mindset of, oh, if you don't win at all, it's not successful. But I think with the way this team was at, at the start of the year, I think you have to call it a successful season for the uh, the upbringing they had. I mean, I think I I think we expected them to, but I know some analysts didn't even have this team making the playoffs, and to get they ended up getting the one seed, but even just to get the four seed, which they were before the round robin, um, even that just to get up that high was a tremendous feat, uh, feat for this team. Uh, great job. I mean, think about it. this is AV's first year. You're not gonna. I mean, most teams aren't gonna do what the Flyers did on their first year coach like that. Um, but but the talent around this team, you have the veterans in Jeru and Voracek. Now you got uh, Konechny. Uh, obviously, had a had a very bad playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but overall, the season a tremendous um, step for step step uh, step forward for this team. So I expect him to only continue to develop more. And then people forget about. I mean, we had some injuries too. Everyone was pretty high on Nolan Patrick after drafting him, and he's supposed to be an extra scorer for this team. I mean, I can't remember the last time he played a game. Obviously, because I mean, he got hurt before the shutdown in general. So I don't know how many games he ended up missing. But I mean, that's a big, big feature you you kind of thought you'd have in missing this. Um, obviously, Oscar Lindblom, uh, fantastic story to come back. But obviously, he misses a lot of time. And yeah, he comes back in six and seven. But did, I mean, again, great story. But you can't really expect him to turn all the struggles around in the snap of a finger like that for how much time he's missing and stuff. So now another off season, you get those two guys back. I'd expect the offense to kind of get back. I don't think you have to, I know a lot of people are trying to go overboard and saying, you got to move this, got to move that. I really don't think you have to make that many moves. I mean, yeah, maybe sign one or two guys to kind of put the final touches on, but I want to see everyone back pretty much next year. Cause I really think again, the pieces and the mix of veterans with, with the younger guys, I think it's just such a good mix. You can go far with this group, especially with the coach and AV and after seeing what he did. And clearly the players believe in that system to end it. I, I totally agree with you with every point you just made. The Lindbaum story was unbelievable. It was so exciting to see him come back. Uh, you know, nine months after being diagnosed with uh, a super rare form of cancer, two months and I think a day, they said, after his last day of treatment, and he's back on the ice. It's unbelievable. It was such a cool story, and I think it definitely helped motivate the Flyers to get to that Game 7, and it was just exciting to see. And just another another positivity to take from the from uh from this season and that that was just it was more than ho- it was a more than hockey moment more than sports moment and it was just awesome to see oscar back out there and it, it was it was it was great but but i agree with you um that the travis Konechny, I, I, I it was tough to see him not not to play so poorly in the playoffs and i agree with you i think he's i am not worried at all uh, I think he's a Selkie finalist this year. Uh, like literally, he he had an amazing se- uh, season. I'm not worried about him at all. And I agree with you. I want to keep this core together. I love Kevin Hayes. Uh, you know, I'm a big G. I'm a big Giroux believer. Uh, I, I I like Kevin Hayes. I still believe in Vorchek. I don't think Vorchek is the talent that we thought he was he was when we signed him for his big contract. But I do still believe in him and believe that he is a good solid player to have here uh, with this young group. I think. 
I think Sanheim got roasted in this series, uh, f- on, at least on Twitter. I don't. I know fans are not in favor of Sanheim. <laughs> I think he had a rough playoff, uh, but I, I, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him either. He's so young. I mean, these guys. Some of these guys are so young. It's like he showed. He has shown a lot of promise, and I think that that's you know, not, not to be taken lightly. Uh, but but I agree with you. Uh, like like we said, overall uh, a super successful season, and you know we can talk about it for another three hours, I think. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up there and and talk more about it next week. But let's let's move on to the Sixers, who obviously have, are a couple weeks uh, removed from uh, their end of their season, and uh, but they've got some ex- exciting news. Maybe uh, has this been even finalized? Uh, question marks? Question marks? Uh, who who's our coach changer? Unfortunately, that's still up, up in the air. Um, <laughs> there was a report on Friday that John Johnson said, uh, works with WIP and one of the Sixers insiders, put out a tweet that said Tyron Lue and the Philadelphia 76ers are really close to coming to a deal. And we all know the mutual interest has been there forever. And the report said they were close. So I think everyone speculated um, that it was going to happen on, on Thursday or Friday. I can't remember the exact day. And then I think it was like an hour later after everyone was – already saying, oh, he's the coach, he's the coach, or whatever, because everyone saw that tweet he had. He put out another tweet and said, I don't want to confuse anyone. Nothing's official. It was just speculation and with my source or whatever. And now after that tweet, there hasn't been a word about what's going on. So I don't know. I, I, if, if, you, if I had to put money on it, I'm still going to say Lou is the guy, and he'll eventually be finalized as the head coach. But in terms of finalization, there's been nothing. So we'll see what happens going forward in that sense, but I'd be okay with it. Um, I know a lot of people are, are were upset when the, that news came out, but I, I think overall, I mean, outside of a guy here and there, and I know I mentioned Bill Self last week on here is my sleeper candidate that I'd love them to look into, but, and the realistic, the realistic options, um, Tyron Lue's the best candidate out there. Like, I don't think the Sixers will find someone better than him. He's got the experience. He's already coached a superstar team with LeBron and Kyrie back in the day. He's got, I say back in the day, it was like four or five years ago. Um, he's got a championship uh, ring under his belt. He's got the the playoff experience. I really don't think, and again, he, he has the kind of two, I don't, I mean, I want to say hotheads, but they, he's got the two superstar guys. And I think you, he knows. You can say hotheads. <laughs> well, I was talking more to LeBron. I wouldn't really call him a big hothead. Or, um, oh, no, he, oh, sorry, I thought we were talking about him beating Simmons. Sorry. Uh, but no, he's got the. That's that's why I'd be okay with it too. He's got the experience of kind of trying to mix those two talents of two guys that could be leaders on teams. So I, I'd be excited for it. I think he'd. And a lot of people want like Jason Kidd or something like that. But Jason Kidd went to the Bucks and it was a mess with with the honest there. So I, I like Tyron Lue. I think at the realistic op, at the realistic options, he he'd be probably the number one candidate for me. Yeah, I I agree with you. I actually I was I was very pleased with it. I I'm. I think it's a big name and it's a big get, and I love his experience. He's already got a championship under his belt. He he obviously has championship under his belt from playing. So like I think mm-hmm. that's an important aspect of it as well. And I think he he like he, like you said he's proven that he can work with players in a tough situation, um, and th- good players in tough situations, superstar athletes in a tough situation who think very highly of themselves and want to be considered the superstar on the yeah. team. You know what I mean? Like, like so he, he was able to make that team work uh, f- for the Cavs. And I, and I think, I think he, 
I would I would be happy to have him on the Sixers. I think it would be an exciting uh, exciting get, and I think it, it would be it would be cool to see and, and just kind of something fresh in here. And I think I think a big sign like that rejuvenates a team and really like galvanizes the troops and like gets them excited for the season to come because it's a big name. People are are can can get around that big name and say, yeah, he's got all these titles. You know, he's got the experience. I I, I believe that that is exciting for a team and will help them you know, for for next season. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's my take on it. But I'm going off that real quick. Um, I think another thing to point out about the whole situation is, or I, I guess the, the one concern I'd have, and this would be on him to kind of bring in good assistance is. With him only, with him getting hired to go coach LeBron and Kyrie, uh, the one thing that would worry me a little bit would be how much developmental experience does he have? So like how much, like yeah, he can bring those guys together and help them kind of go along with their game. But I mean, let's face it, the Sixers are still mixed with a lot of young guys too. So how well can he mm-hmm. develop? And but I, I think he'd be fine in that role. And again, that's on him also to bring in some assistance and maybe a new coach turns over, turns it over, and maybe. He go. He tells Elton Brand, and maybe they get together and they package some of the young guys and get veteran players on here, and you kind of go away from that. I mean, that's what you'll know when you bring in a new coach. But um, to go off your point too about liking it and getting the players excited, I think that's some another point. That's a good point. It's something people got to realize too is they're not gonna they, like the, the Sixers aren't gonna hire a coach without talking to Simmons and Embiid at this point. Like you're at the point where you got to get someone that everyone can collectively agree on and i forget that's who a good point i forget who reported it but they speculated that it was elton brand joshua harris and then i think simmons and Embiid were all in on the the meetings and stuff for coaches and stuff and the interview with lou so again it, it, whoever they end up going with it, whether we think it's the right decision ben simmons and Embiid, to my opinion at least would definitely still have a say in it so to me, you kind of just got to go with what it is at this point with the coach situation, whether you like it or not, just because I really believe they wouldn't go out and hire someone that Simmons or Embiid said that they don't like. That That's a great point, and I think it's an interesting one. And and, and I I agree, if that's the case, that Simmons and Embiid, if, if they're excited about it, that's the whole thing. You know, that's 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 all that matters. If, if they are excited about it and think that this guy can bring the team together, then that's a huge a huge benefit and, and a total uh, motivation confidence booster for, for them. Uh, so, so one point I wanted to bring up, you know, with his experience with, with Lou's experience with these veteran with veterans, obviously, like you said, he might not have the experience of developing guys. What do you think of the Al Horford situation with a guy like Tyron Lewis coach? Do you think he can come in and, and make Horford actually gel and click with this team and actually work? Or do you still think Horford's got to get out of here? I would say, Personally, first choice, I think it would be best to just move on from him. Again, nothing against Horford because he's a fantastic player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's done so much in his career, and I think he still has got still has some pretty good games left in him. I just don't think his mix with Embiid works that well. And maybe Lou Ken. He worked with a guy, two kind of bigger guys, and Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson out there in Cleveland. Not the same playing style, but but he made him work. So he, he could overall probably work, but I think it'd just be best to move on from Horford and try to bring in some shooters. Plus, with Horford's contract, if they find a way to get another team to eat some of it and help out in the cap situation, that would be tremendous as well. So I think with all all situations being considered, it'd be just best to con- or try to move on from him. But he, he could probably find a way to make it work. 
Yeah, that's it. No, I, I, I think it'll be an interesting situation. I think he, he might be able to come in and, and, and make that work was my only point. I, I think because he's got that experience, like you were saying with the veterans, but I, I, you're, you're right. I think my first choice would be to move on to, from Horford as well, just because it didn't look like it was gelling last year. I agree. He's obviously a great talent. He's a great player. He's going to, he'd be successful somewhere else in a different situation as the number one big man on the team. I think, uh, I, I just don't think it was working last year, but if Luke can bring it in and, and, and make it work, I think that'd be great. Cause I do like Horford and I, I'd hate to just kind of kick him out of Philly, you know, like so many, so <laughs> many other players before him, I feel like, but, uh, but but we'll see. It's exciting. It's exciting to have stuff to talk about for the Sixers still, even the season's over. Uh, and uh, the NBA NBA playoffs are are heating up. Obviously, uh, I don't know if you're following uh, the, these this Raptors series with the Celtics, but uh, my goodness, uh, Kyle Lowry. I'm obviously obviously <laughs> I'm biased because he's a Villanova guy, and we're you and I are big Villanova fans. But he's he came to play this series, and it's uh it's been cool to watch. Uh, I, I can't believe the Raptors are even about to get, you know, even have this great of a shot to get back to the finals. I, I think I just assumed they were done this year because, uh, you know, Kawhi left. It's it's interesting to watch, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I don't know if you have any take on the on Kyle Lowry right now, but he's he, it's, he's been fun to watch. That's all I'm saying. No, I love Kyle Lowry. He's he's a true Villanova guy. He'll never leave that extra energy type effort. He always goes out of his way to make that extra play. I know a lot of play- people get frustrated when he played Philly just because he, he, he can get it. He, he has gotten into the NBA flop mode at times and that's, oh, yeah, that's a lot totally. of the hate, but, but I, and this is my argument. Every time someone brings that up, it's maybe a player that doesn't do that nowadays. Like every yeah, single think, player does it. Like you want to point yeah. to that. Look at Joel Embiid. He flops every game. Exactly. As well. yeah. um, and we it's all know he picks part of the game. It's like soccer. Yeah, you gotta find a way to get the advantage, and I mean everyone loves the moment. Um, and beat when Embiid flopped and fell and drew that technical. I think it was from Donovan Mitchell, and it's like it's yeah. the same type of stuff. I mean that's like you said, it's part of the game. He's trying to get into other players' heads at this point, and uh, and Kyle Lowry's good at it. And besides the fact, his game has been tremendous too, picking up um, in this playoffs. And I I know they started out 0-2, they got it back to two two. I really think Raptors find a way to close that series out. And wow, if if uh, if you were asking me, I think they get to the finals, but they'll lose to the Lakers. Oh, that's your pick. Mm-hmm. That's oh, I, li- I like that. That's actually my pick too. But I, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, so so uh, real quick, uh, that that reminded me, uh, uh, Claude Giroux. You know, I'm the biggest Claude Giroux fan there is. But man, he had a flop in that. Was it last game or, or game six? I can't remember. Oh, when he got I, slashed on the hands. Yeah, yeah, when he got slashed on the hands and he like screamed and you could hear him. He's like, ah. And uh, and it like didn't even touch him. Touched the stick. I thought that was funny. But yeah, I, I, to your point, like everyone does, everyone flops in the game. These in all the games, it seems like. Uh, but uh, that was a good good Sixers talk there. But let's move on to uh, the Phillies. What do you got going on for the Phillies? Uh, we we uh, last we were talking we were talking five game win streak. Now we're talking. Uh, what was what was the final? I don't have the number in front of me, but uh, uh, I would guess. No, not the, not the final today. I know the final today was not good, not good at all. Uh, but I, I was looking at the final record for the week. Uh, I, they had to be a five hundred, a five hundred week for the week. They've been five and two to this date. They Sorry, swept five. the swept the Nationals in a four game series, and then won Friday, and then lost Saturday, Sunday. 
that's that's why it feels like a 500 week because it feels like we're coming off of what two <laughs> two straight losses. No, it's not uh, two losses, but a 14 to one loss today. So that, that feels like four yeah. losses in itself. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, I, it's I, 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 I'll let you get to to your take on the Phillies this past week, but I, I I'm not worried. I think it's baseball and there's a lot of games and there's going to be weeks where you're five and zero, and there's going to be weeks where you're five and two, which really isn't even that bad. It just feels like it's bad because they got crushed today. Uh, I will say I'm not concerned about Bryce Harper, but at this point he's slumping pretty bad. And I, and I think they need him to kind of pick it up here and, and get, get into gear as we get a couple weeks closer. And, uh, what what we're three games out of first place. I, I think at that, at this point it's probably a stretch to think that we'll, win the division, but obviously I think we're in a good position to make the playoffs and we're going to need Bryce if we want to make a playoff push. No, I agree with that 100%. Um, yeah, the Phillies are in a tough spot now for the division because we've already uh, used all of our games against the Braves, so you can't make any ground up head-to-head. Obviously, three games with about 24 left is obviously possible, but it's more not, or it's more likely not to happen. Again, you're relying on other teams to beat the Braves, who have been a pretty good team so far to this point. So, right. without the head-to-head matchups, I'd have to agree with you. The Braves are hey, gonna. Hey, maybe if uh, Bryce comes out and said we need to win the next twenty-one of twenty-four, <laughs> maybe. we gotta win. The, we gotta no, win twenty-one I... of twenty-four, and Braves gotta go five hundred. Say that. There we go. If Bryce says it, maybe it'll come true. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, very good. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, Philly struggled the last two days. They only put up two runs combined in the last two games, but it's baseball. And yes, it seems more um, hurtful and panic mode than usual because you're, you're already in September. But it's baseball. At 36 games. If we're two game losing streak, it'd be like, okay, we still got whatever amount of games left. It's just a year like exactly. this, and you're like this. It's like okay, yeah, you're 36 games in, but you only got 24 left. Like this is the this is the moment you got to make the run. I will. I will say, I think it is just a couple bad games. I expect things to change this week. You're going up against the Red Sox, who have poor pitching. Um, so I think that's a rough, that's <laughs> a rough team. I'm sure you know you're up there. You probably listen to Sport Talk every once in a while. Right? I do. They, <laughs> I, I, obviously, yeah, obviously, I, I, I live in the in Massachusetts, and yeah, they these these guys roast to this team from the from the beginning of the season. They they didn't they didn't have a lick of faith that this team would win any games this year from day one. <laughs> and they were right. Um so you got you gotta take advantage of that. Uh I will say this week will make or break the Philly season. Um Ooh, that's a big that's a big statement. Well yeah, let me finish. After saying like, you know, fourteen to one, it's just it's just an only loss. But on the other side, this, this well, today, week will make or break. Today, today's just another loss. This week, and I don't know if you're aware, I'm about to tell you why. The Phillies have 10 games this week in a week. They play tomorrow, then they have a doubleheader on Tuesday, they give them off Wednesday, and then they have seven games against the Marlins. It is a seven-game series against the Miami Marlins coming up with two doubleheaders included. That um, is that's so, honestly scary because we never play the Marlins well. That exactly. So to finish off this point, yes, we have 24 games left. But a week from now, think about it, a week from now when we're doing the show, we'll be recapping the week and we'll only have 14 games left. That, like that, 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 that's that's why I say this week. That's, scary. that's why yeah, this week could be make or break. Plus, the Marlins are in third place right now, and you're only a game above them. So the way the playoffs work this year is the top two teams are locks, and then it's the wild card. 
So say the Marlins come out and take five of seven. Now you're looking at you're going to be the third place team, and you're really scrapping for the playoffs at that point because who knows the way the wild card situation is. So you really got to make make this week count. You got to take advantage of the, of the lowly Red Sox in the beginning of the week, and then carry that momentum into the Marlins and find a way to take at least four or five and build ground there and get solidified in that two spot. But uh, to, to your point, yeah, Harper's got to get going to, to continue this run. I mean, obviously he started phenomenally, so his numbers are still really good. But I mean, if you think about it, his average was at like three thirty, and he's down to two seventy now. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. I never yeah. I, I never thought he could go through that struggle. He uh, he he plays like this though. If you think about it, that's how he always plays. He, like if you look at a full season, he's hot and he's like the best player in baseball for like a month, and then he'll slump for a month like this. It's it's so weird that that. Which he is fine. Seems to yeah. how his season works. And you're right, it's fine. That as means the playoffs so will that means the playoffs will be over the slump and will exactly. come back. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be go time yeah. for him. It'll be the good month. L- <laughs> Luckily for Harper that while he's slumping, Reese Hoskins right? is taking <laughs> off. Like, oh my gosh. It's amazing that it's almost simultaneous that the way that Reese Hoskins was playing pretty poorly. And I remember I you know, I, I think we both were kind of saying while he obviously wasn't getting hits, it was a good sign that he was at least getting on base so much. He was walking mm-hmm. so much. To me, that says he's seeing the ball. You know, he's seeing the ball and the balls and strikes. He's just not getting hits. And, wow, he's getting hits now. I mean, he's getting, what, home, a home run every other every other day, it feels like. He's got to be, what does he have, six home runs now? Maybe seven? I think that's seven. So, so he's got, he just tied Bryce, and I think Bryce had set six when, Reese had two or something. Well, like I was about to say, would you believe me if I told you Reese Hoskins has more hits on the season now than Bryce Harper? After yeah, today, after I, today's game, that's unbelievable. Is he have a better average now too? No, I think um, no, he's at two fifty six. Harper's at two seventy five right now. Um, Harper's got seven home runs, and Hoskins. Oh, I forgot Hoskins hit one yesterday. So Hoskins is now actually at eight home runs. That's unbelievable. JT leads with nine. So think about it. Another two home runs from Reese in these next coming days. He'll take over the leading spot. That's awesome, man. I, I, you know, we're big, we're big Reese fans. We, we, we have He's my been. favorite. It's, it's great to, it's great to see him have success. I, I, I love Reese and I, I, I don't, I'm not worried. Like I said, I'm not worried about Harper, but we do need to get him. He does need to get going. <laughs> um, um, but it's, but luckily, also uh, McC- Andrew McCutcheon has been on fire too. I, we can't we can't not talk about him. He's been having he's been playing great as well. Uh, he he's been picking up a bunch of home runs as well. And obviously JT's JT. So I'm not he's he's sign JT. <laughs> if anyone hears this, sign JT. Everyone in Philadelphia just wants that done. Make it happen. Well, My goodness. I'll warn everybody now who's listening to this, and you as well. Let's just say, after this Marlins series... Here we go. This is never good, everybody. When Andrew starts off like this, it's never good. After this Marlins series, there's going to be a lot of uproar because we have to face... I don't know if you've been following them, but the prospect be traded for JT Real Muto, Sixto Sanchez, that that high-talented pitcher, has been... I don't know if you've been paying attention, but he's been called up, and he's pitching phenomenal. Like, he's pitching, like, crazy out... Like crazy outside, outside the numbers for a rookie and stuff. And obviously, if you're facing the Marlins seven times this week, 
you know he's going to be pitching against the Phillies this week is Sixto Sanchez, that high talented prospect. And if we get a look at him firsthand of crushing the Phillies, and we don't re-sign JT, it is going to be a huge uproar. So that's a real bad look. That is, I did. That, I that is. That's what I'm saying. Point. Be ready for the end of this week when we, I don't. They haven't announced like who's starting when, but obviously you'll face him. So if the Phillies can't beat him up this week uh, in terms of of the on the playing field. Um, yeah, you're going to see a lot of uproar on Twitter. So, well, uh, I hope they just get it done. They got to <laughs> just get it done for the sake of, you know, not looking like idiots to your point. I mean, that's a bad look, a very bad look to give up that kind of a prospect for what for us to not, we haven't even made the playoffs yet. I mean, <laughs> like, like that was like a go all in move and we didn't do anything and nothing happened. Nothing. You know, we're still, we're still trying to make the playoffs. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm not sure if you got uh, any other any other uh, points on the fills, but uh, it looks like looks like it's going to be a a lot of games this week. Tough week for them, even though it's the Marlins. I mean, here we are. It's the Marlins are fighting for a playoff spot. I can't. I was going to say. I, I don't the have Marlins, a long... Sorry. Go the, ahead. No, I'm, the Marlins are fighting for a playoff spot. The Padres look like they can win the World Series. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's happening, but but this is the baseball. We're, we're looking at right now and uh yeah it's gonna be a wild week i hope that i hope we can i hope we can do well and come out here with a nice lead over the marlins in the division that's for sure no i agree with you um my, my one thing i will say is everyone likes to say and me included it is we um we got the marlins now well how much longer can we say we have the marlins now because like you just said they're oh, funny yeah. for a, they're funny for a playoff spot they're 500 500 team right now i think it's time Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say that Marlins are as good as the Braves or the the uh, Cardinals or the Dodgers or something like that. But it, I guess not... they're better than the Nationals. <laughs> well, yeah, right. <laughs> um, Yikes. But Talk about a drop off, right? Yeah. Got got a big mouth, but too bad they can't back it up. For real? <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I don't even know where that came from. But for those who don't know, I don't know how you don't know. But the Nationals are making fun of the Phillies about. How we Philadelphians always say it's hard to beat them, and then the Phillies go out and have won six straight against them this year. Um, have four yeah, games. Actually, I think they deleted the tweet. Did they finally delete it? I don't know. After, I, after I went the to six look straight loss. After I the six straight loss. I went to look for it because I think people were going back to it to constantly comment on, and I oh, don't I think. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I did see that. I, I I I could be wrong, but I didn't. I couldn't find it when I was look when I was scrolling back. Um, because I was trying to post the six and zero graphic on on it, <laughs> and I oh, that's couldn't great. find. I, I didn't um, know they deleted it. That's that's money. I'm not. Um, I'm not positive on that. So someone's got to check that for me. But but yeah, uh, it's been. It's still been a fun. It's been a really fun season for the Phillies. I, I, they struggled there, but I've enjoyed watching them. I know you have too, uh, and it's going to be a good week. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh that's if that's it on the Phillies. I'm excited to come back next week and see see how they did, but uh, I, I'm optimistic that they're going to be in a good spot in the division there and ahead of the, the Marlins. But let, I, I, let's let's move on from the Phils, and I can't believe we're talking this, but let's talk Philadelphia Eagles. We are one week away from the start of this season. I am literally – I'm cheesing right now. I'm smiling so hard. I can't believe it's here. Uh, I didn't think it would happen. Not only that, it doesn't with with baseball going on like this and hockey still going on and basketball, it doesn't feel like it's football season. So it's so surprising to say we're ready to start the season, but we are one week away, uh, and 
the Eagles look like a mess. But even though the Eagles look like a mess, it's still exciting because we've got football. But Andrew, let's hear your thoughts. What's going on? What's going on with the Eagles right now? Now, like you said, I can't believe it's here already. Like I started getting messages about, are we still doing this fantasy league or whatever? I'm like, aren't we still ways away? And <laughs> little do we have it. No, we're right around the corner. Um, first game this Thursday for the NFL, Chiefs-Texans, and then obviously the Eagles the following Sunday against the Washington football team. Um, but I think uh, it's – I'm excited. Like you said, the Eagles are kind of a mess right now with already injury after injury. Some surprising – I say let's start with the surprise – you can call them surprising. Who knows if they're surprising? But let's talk about some of the roster cuts. I mean, we hear all last year and multiple times the uproar about how bad uh, Russell Douglas looked, Sidney Jones looked. Um, they both get cut this week. Uh, you move on from, I believe his name was Sharif Miller, I think, the linebacker. They moved on from as well. Uh, so the, the Eagles cut close with that 2017 draft class. Uh, I think they now have one guy left from it. So basically, that's where they're at. They're ready to move on. That's why they went out and signed or traded for Darius Slay, and then they traded for uh, a guy like Coleman from the uh, stole him from the Rams for free agency. And, and you got those two corners because we all knew the uproar and we knew the struggle that Douglas and Jones kind of had. So they went on, moved out, moved on from them, and here we are today with the, those, I guess, kind of surprising roster cuts. You want to say, but overall, I don't think it was too surprising. Yeah, I think uh, I think we talked about it. What's honestly with the the disappointment is looking looking from the bigger picture and realizing how many of these top draft picks that Howie has picked over the past few years now are just getting cut from the team and just aren't even on the team anymore. And I think I think it leaves us just here wondering. You know, I, I think it goes back to podcasts we've done in the past where we all get we've all gotten heated talking about the Eagles draft for numerous reasons. And we, I mean, I think every one of us has gotten red in the face yelling about something different aspect of the Eagles drafting ability. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very frustrating because I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti Howie. I'm not against Howie Roseman because I do believe he, he single-handedly brought this team back from the Chip Kelly devastation into winning a Super Bowl, which I, I don't think you can just toss out the window, but I do think now, you know, it's starting to look more and more like, yeah, he just doesn't have the ability to draft players that well. And it's something that I feel like we've just had as Eagles fans for a while now. And it's extremely frustrating. Obviously, we've had a problem drafting wide receivers. We've talked about it before. But now it looks like, you know, losing Sidney Jones, it, I mean, that was a top. He, he was injured when we drafted him. And it, I, remember, I remember it being a... Uh, a role a risky move when we draft him, but people kept saying. I remember analysts, even, analysts even were like, "Like this is a this could be a this could be a steal." Like he 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 was a first round draft talent, uh, but but now he's not. Now he's cut from the team, so it's 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 tough to see that happen. Uh, I liked Sidney Jones, you know. I, I wish him the best, but it's 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 a shame that it has to go down like that. But it's it's frustrating. But I I, I think. I think it is what it is, and, and we gotta just look, 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 and see uh, what we're gonna do this season with the team that we have. It's interesting moves with the quarantine roster expansion. Uh, it looks like Josh McCown is back on the team, which is fun. Uh, I'm ready to, I'm ready for that to happen. I think I saw he's getting twelve thousand dollars a week to sit in, uh, 
Texas. I think he's staying in Texas, and he's now a member of the uh, practice squad. He's now the, uh, he, he is the oldest member of a practice squad in NFL history, I read. Uh, he's 41 years old, the oldest member of the uh, practice squad in NFL history. He's a member of the Eagles practice squad, but he's living in Texas. So I don't even know how that works out. But hey, uh, I'm here for it. I think the Eagles need all the extra quarterback on hands that we, we can possibly get, obviously. But uh, that was a cool move I saw happen today. Yeah, I I, um, I like Cam, and he'll be a good teacher for once in the moments he has to. And Definitely, yep. Um, it's somewhere last year. I forget where he was at, but he he didn't really practice. Well, that was bad. he didn't really practice with the team because um, he was a, he was a head coach. Right, that's right. He was an assistant yep. or a head coach at a high school, so he's and we signed him this- late. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it, was yeah, like, right. it was like this late too. I remember. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, like you're... I think it was like two preseason games left or something. We signed him. Yeah, because the high school because... already the high school already started. I think he was like one or two and zero or something. At, yeah, uh, coaching high school or whatever, and then oh, yeah. that's when because Sudfeld went down, right? And uh... yeah, Sudfeld missed the beginning. I think he got hurt yep. a preseason game. Um, so it's probably gonna be a similar situation to last year. Wentz can continue to grow. I I, I like the move overall. Uh, it is funny when you break it down like that. That he's gonna pay twelve thousand dollars a game to watch watch him on TV. Because I mean, we all watch the games on TV. Why don't you pay me twelve thousand to watch the game on TV? For real. Uh, <laughs> Although I think he's a little more helpful than we are. Uh, uh, Maybe a little bit. I guess. Sure. Well, let's. So let's. I feel like I feel like there's been so much talk about the other sports because they're all actually going on still, um, or they were. That was that was sad to <laughs> officially. That was sad to say. Um, they were. Um, but we, I feel like we haven't broken down this season. What do you think? What is your expectations for the Eagles this year? What is your, uh, what do you, how, what's their win loss record? Uh, playoff, playoff ambitions. Kind of give me a, a feel for how, how you think this team's going to do. I'm excited. I, obviously, it goes without saying, but with this Eagles team or any Eagles team, it seems like the the, the big question mark is health. Um, Which how, doesn't how, look good right now. Yeah, right. How long can you stay healthy? Obviously, we know Wentz's past history. Obviously, we know everyone else's past history. And then on top of that, you're already down Brandon Brooks and Andre Dillard. You're already down two offensive linemen. Uh, Sanders is already all banged up. Well, he should be fine, I think, for the start of the season. Um, you're already a couple guys on defense are already banged up. Will Parks now out for the first four weeks. Your first round draft pick, which I'm obviously high on. Uh, that was one of your arguments <laughs> um, yes. we had on here. Um, the draft arguments, yes. I, I'm I'm high on uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, he's out for the first game at least, possibly most likely more. It was a good sign. They did not place him on the IR today, so okay. I think that's a really good sign. Um, but now you're already down him. Alshon Jeffries most likely out week one. Should be back week two. So obviously, the health is the biggest concern overall. I think we'll go toe to toe with the Cowboys. I think Cowboys are going to have a good year. I think we're going to have a good year. Um, I think you potentially see two NFC East teams this year, uh, pending health. I know it's a lot to say with how bad the division's been recently, but I like what I mean. I hate to give them compliments, but overall, I mean, I, don't, I like the, Cow- the Cowboys' moves. They did this offseason. They added the weapon in CD Lamb. I really think it's only a two team race. I, I don't have much faith in the Giants or uh, Washington. I think uh, what help does help the Eagles is having the only coach back in the NFC East. I really think that's going to help uh, in terms of the beginning of the season. Obviously, by the end, I expect it to be fine, but you could see it help us in the beginning of the season. Overall, to answer, I see this Eagles team winning at least 10, but I'm going to say 11 games. Um, 
I, I really think they can do it. We get on Howie about his draft, but Howie's good at finding depth. I mean, he might not draft the best player, but he finds a way to bring in the best talent after the season. I mean, credit to him for finding the Corey Clement uh, undrafted. Uh, he found Boston Scott last year. He finds Joshua Perkins. Yeah, obviously not the biggest names, and we can say Winston had the weapons, but hey, Roseman found the coaches to develop those guys. He found those guys to bring in and replace the injuries and still win that division last year and give them a chance. So I think if something happens, I have faith in Howie to do that again. And I think, uh, I mean, I mentioned it last week, unfortunately no fans, but even with a lot of the tougher games being at home, it might help us, but I, we'll see where we're at come the end of the season. Hopefully you'll have to have some people in the in the stadium by December. Um, obviously none of us can predict the, the future in that sense, but I don't know where you're at. But I, I'll say 11-5, um, my losses are to the 49ers. The Ravens, uh, who else do I have? The Packers, uh, the Cardinals, and then a game to the Cowboys. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I really, I want to, this is so frustrating because I want to be so optimistic about the Eagles, but I'm really having a hard time for a few different reasons because uh, the injuries are such, the injuries are obviously already such a problem, but I just don't know what we're going to expect to get out of this team. I mean, we're coming off of not a spectacular season last year by any means. And honestly, since the Super Bowl, we've kind of slipped big time. Uh, so it's, 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 oh, I see, I see you making a face. You can, you can make the face, but like, but like, my point is what? We, we won 13 games the Super Bowl season. I think we were 13 and three. The year after, did we win nine games? Yeah. 2018, we won nine. And then uh, 2019, we won nine again. Is that right? Yeah, we won nine the last two years. So, so I mean, that's not that's not a great that's not that's not very good. And before you make a point, I don't I don't see enough change to this team at all to expect them to be that much better than the past two seasons. Is my only point. Like I don't I don't see that they've accumulated enough talent to say that they're they're so much better than those past two teams, especially with these injuries that we're already seeing and star players going out left and right. Uh, it's 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 hard for me to say that they're going to win more than nine games this year, to be honest. Like, I, I have a hard time saying that they're going to win more than nine, but I'll, I'll, I'll optimistically, because I'm an Eagles fan, say that they're going to get 10 wins somehow this year. But I'm very... I'm very concerned about this season, and I am having an extremely hard time thinking otherwise, to be honest. And well, I, I, I can tell you're already disagreeing with me. Well, I'm ready to cheer you up. I'm ready to cheer you up. That's fine. I, I and, and 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 one of the biggest problems I'm, I'm facing with this year is uh, I I think the Cowboys are leaps and bounds ahead of the Eagles right now, as far as talent. As far as talent, I think that their talent. I think they have a way more talented roster. I mean, if you look at these, if you like. If you like put these players up against each other, you got Carson versus Dak, right? I think it's a wash. I think it's a I think it's a wash. Okay. Um but, but so, so you got a wash. You got Zeke versus uh Miles Sanders. Zeke is way better than Miles Sanders. It's closer than you think. Stop it. No Andrew, I hate I hate I can't I don't like using hate. I can't stand Zeke. All the round game. If you if yes, if you need a pound for pound Yard right there. Yes, obviously you're gonna take Zeke, but all around game, I think it's closer than you're gonna think. Like passing I, game, 
better better catcher and runner on, on the passing game. I'm taking Sanders. Listen, listen. I worked at Penn State, so obviously I can't stand Zeke being from Ohio State, and I love Miles Sanders being from Penn, Penn State. But I can't agree with you there that they are that close right now. I think Sanders has tons of room to improve, but I don't think he's at Zeke's level any like soon. Um, but let's so I, either way, you still agree Zeke better. And if you break down our wide receivers, um, obviously, I guess, I guess, uh, what are you looking at? I think Amari Cooper is better than anyone we have, right? I look at it as Cooper over Jeffrey. I look at it as Jackson over their second guy. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, hold on. Uh, then you get. I mean, it's tough to to pick where CD is going to be. I agree, um, but I think I I think. This was my whole point with her, with everything before. I think CD is more NFL ready than Rieger, and I think I think he can make it. Not that he's more NFL ready. I think he can make a bigger impact right out of college than than Rieger, especially now Rieger's coming off an injury. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a big. That's going to be an interesting uh, factor into it as well. Um, but my, my 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 point is, I'm more scared of of I'm more scared of a Zeke, Amari Cooper. Than I am a Alshon Jeffrey and Miles Sanders. I mean, I, I the the Cowboys have a scary offense. They led the NFL in uh, passing yards last year, I believe. They led the NFL in yards, touchdown. I mean, I think they were the top offense in the league last year, if I'm not mistaken. Which obviously they didn't even make the playoffs. So I so, mean, I understand that- understand that that's not everything, but um, I, I don't know. I'm worried about the Cowboys because I do believe they're the more talented roster. Uh, again, like I said, it'll come down to but these wait. two teams. But but you told me you were gonna cheer me up, so cheer me up. That's here what I'm about to. Like like I said in the beginning, these two teams would be pretty close to even. This could be a year you get two NFC's teams from the wild card, especially with them. I think they expand the wild card by by a team well, a team on each side. So I, I would expect the Eagles to at least make the playoffs if they can't win the division, considering there's seven teams I believe that make it now. Um, but here, here's my first point. Yes, you could say all you want about the Cowboys, but what you just say? They led the NFL in offense. Uh, they they led the um, led the uh, NFL in offense last year, and they still missed the playoffs. So they, they're gonna they can lead the NFL in offense again. You can mention all these guys; they might have a better offense than us, but I, it's only gonna do so much. Um, I, I really think yes. Again, the Eagles. Again, pending health, you can make the statement about what you just said, but. Tight ends, Eagles. I mean, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard is better than anything the Cowboys have. And I'd make the argument that I'd rather very Zach true, Ertz. Very true. I'd rather make the argument that Zach Ertz. I'd rather have him than Amari Cooper. If I'm being honest, I think Ertz is a better player. Um, I think, so I, I think, I think that's, that's got to get thrown in there a little bit with the receivers. I think that's a debate of tight end versus wide receiver, and I I think I don't know. I think that can be debated, but but uh, continue. Because uh, you're doing a good job. You're cheering me up a little bit. Uh, to I, uh, I, I, to I, us I, losing an offensive two offensive linemen, the Cowboys just lost one of theirs. I forget who it was. I don't know if it's a season injury or just half the season, but it'll be out for a little bit. And I think this is where th- this part right here I'm about to say is where I think a lot of people are missing. Um, the Eagles' defense is a lot better than it was last year. You're bringing more pass rushers. You should get through a lot easier. You have arguably the two best cornerbacks on paper that this team has had in who knows how long. And Darius Slay 
And, Since uh, Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown? Is that what you were looking to say? I, I was going to say it, but I couldn't remember anything in between. I don't remember who was paired right. up with Asante Samuel and everything. Um, Whew, so, hot take alert. But, I mean, let's be real. That's why you go out and traded a third-round pick for Darius Slay. That's why you went out and signed. Uh, you gave uh, Robbie Coleman a little extra money to bring him here to, to leave the Rams. Um, this, is something, this is something the Eagles... This is something the Eagles haven't had in a while, and I'm excited for it because, because again, now you mix them up with, um, yeah, you lose Malcolm Jenkins, but in the end, you still got Rodney McLeod. Well, Jalen Mills will go between safety and corner, um, go between corner. So then you, you, you I, I already went on after the draft about the Kavon Wallace pick. I really like. I think he'll be a tremendous impact right away. Uh, has got impact right away talent. So I, I'm high on this defense this year. And I think that could be the difference between the Eagles and Cowboys in sense of the division because the Cowboys lost their two of their three best defenders, uh, didn't resign them. So yeah, they still have they might have the best offense, but their defense went down still. And we know that's how the Eagles beat them last year uh, in that 17-9 game um, with Dak and all those guys still there. So I, I think it's I really think the Eagles can still get get to 11 wins because I think this could be the best defense the Eagles have had had in a good amount of time. I love it, Andrew. Bringing me right back. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to the Super Bowl. No one can stop us. No Cowboys, Cowgirls can can stop us. Um, I love it. I love it. Uh, like like I said, you're always the optimistic guy to bring us to bring us some hope. Uh, it's it's some great points. I think I think it's I think it's very close. I think you what you're what you what you're proving is that it's it's a very close. Hence why, we're, did the Cowboys win nine games last year too? And we just had the extra. Yeah, we both went nine and seven, and we, yeah. we won the tiebreaker. And what the year before? I think the Cowboys had ten wins or something. They didn't. Yeah, I think we lost by a game. Uh, no, I think they were actually really good that year. I think they yeah. weren't. Like, they weren't that good. They didn't get that far. Let's not give them too much credit on that. Right? Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, I think I think it's gonna be close. It's gonna be exciting. Let's just be happy. Football's back. Uh, hopefully. You know, we'll be back on this. Hopefully, I expect us to be back on this podcast talking about a one and zero start. Uh, uh, let's let's hope. But if uh, we're on here talking about an 01, 0 and one start, please forget everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, good, 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 good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, that was like a, uh, an exhausting episode with the Flyers losing. Sixers getting a new coach, maybe. Six. Uh, Phillies obviously continuing their battle to, to to get to the playoffs, and the Eagles starting next week. Still can't believe it. Uh, but but that'll wrap things up here at uh. Philly Sports Now. Andrew, do you have any closing remarks before we get going? Nah, thanks for joining us. Please uh, continue to listen and get ready for a, a long week ahead. Again, we'll, next week we'll be talking about hopefully a 1-0 stretch and hopefully a uh, great Phillies week and getting ready, getting hyped for some playoff baseball after we see what happens next week or this week. I I, I love it. I, th- I think we're coming back on. Eagles will be 1-0 and the Phillies will have taken... Seven of those ten wins. I mean, ten games. There we <laughs> seven go. Seven to ten. I like that. Seven I like to ten. That. Seven to ten. Eagles are one and zero. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like you said, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at at Philly underscore Sports Now, but without the O, that's Philly underscore S P R T S Now. Um, follow us on there. Uh, we tweet out during the games. We tweet out whenever we feel like there's an interesting thing to say. Uh, uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're excited to have you guys listening and thanks so much. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye.